Welcome to another edition of the TRN Server Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Philip Schmitz, or on the Xbox World Boy 88. And I want to say thanks to Anchor for creating a platform to have a podcast. Uh, it's been fun using this the last month or so, give or take, and starting this. Uh, before we jump into the news and the questions that were submitted in our Discord for me to answer, uh, I'm by myself for this one. Uh, Zach was scheduled for this weekend, but he had things come up and we had to change that to recording during the week, actually. And oddly enough, Ron was scheduled for next weekend, but being the fact that Zach's schedule's changed, I asked Ron, hey, do you want to fill in this weekend? And Ron couldn't because he had to work. There, uh, his job is dealing with COVID and there are low staff, so... I said, well, how about you just join me and Zach uh, for our Tuesday episode. So to pass the time and to talk about the other stuff that happened during the week, I've just decided to just go ahead and just do it by myself and just we'll bring in someone next week. Before we jump into the news, uh, I'm going to do a favor for a friend. The Reaper Crew, which is a NASCAR Heat 5 league that uh, I'm I was in for a year and a half, give or take, and uh, long story short, I left because I was getting burnt out with NASCAR Heat. I was playing it pretty hardcore for a year and wanted to do something else. But that league is looking for new drivers. Um, there, You can be either experienced league drivers just looking for another league or ones that uh, haven't done any league racing and are tired of the multiplayer lobbies that are just a wreck fest in every race. Trust me, I've, I've been in them, and you, it's why we we all look for leagues, because we're tired of being in those online lobbies. The Reaper Crew is a very good league. It has really good members. Uh, I've known Demon Knights for a long time. Same with Rebel and Florida, Shane, um, Clinton. Uh, see, Rosin's in there. It's also the same league. I brought in, hey, Catra, Zach, uh, Bailey, and Ron. It's a really good league, and it's really good racing. And there's no drama, no BS. It's it's more tamed than any other league I've been in. Um, even more tamed and better than that eSpark league. That was created months ago by NASCAR Heat. Uh, I was a part of that for like three races, and it was horrible to be in. This league's not. Um, so if you're interested, uh, we'll leave a link in the episode description, and also provide a link on Twitter, and you can connect with Demon and their Facebook page, or you can message me on Twitter at uh, pschmitz1988. And I will help facilitate that. Um, we'll probably have Demon on here a couple of times in the future. Uh, he's a Harvick fan and a NASCAR fan. But speaking of NASCAR news, it's it's been a thing that we have to discuss. We brought it up last week with Dom and Hey Catra about the LGB Bitcoin, uh, crypto uh Bitcoin or whatever you want to call it. I'm not familiar with that stuff. Uh, that came out and sponsored Brandon Brown and was quite controversial uh, when it first came out. 
Uh, well, NASCAR came out this week and denies the LGB crypto sponsorship for Brandon Brown. I believe because of political reasons, they don't want that in their sport. Trying to change the narrative after the whole Let's Go Brandon fiasco that started at Talladega last fall. Um, I hope this doesn't get messy. Uh, there's talks about this could go to court and etc. I'm just going to say this. The Lemonade sponsor that was on Brandon Brown's car for Talladega came out with a statement. It was a video statement. And one of the things he said in it was... Not all money is good money, meaning there's some deals that are good that will help you. And then there are deals that, yeah, it's bringing in funding, but do we really want to do this? There's going to be a lot more negative flack by having this partnership rather than we just not do it. So that's my two cents on that. Ryan Priest will be the reserve driver and sim driver for Stuart Haas Racing in 2022, taking a role very similar to what Alex Bowman had at Hendrick Motorsports before he replaced Dale Earnhardt Jr., who retired at the end of 2017. Also, one thing to note, Ryan Priest's agency that represents him is Kevin Harvick Incorporated, who represents other drivers like Harrison Burton, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, Ty Dillon as well. I think they also do a couple of other drivers. In the past, they represented Jeff Burton. Find that weird because we know Harvick, he doesn't, he's not going to be in the sport uh, for what, a couple more years? Uh, he even said on the Dell Jr. download that he thought about walking away from it in 2021, but decided to still continue in the sport. Uh, this could be a move for Priest to replace Harvick down the line at Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, the only driver that they really have in their system in the Xfinity program is uh, Riley Herbs. I don't know if Haley Deegan is a part of the SHR driver program as well. I know she's part of the Ford program, but I don't know what tree she's going to fall under. The either SHR or Roush or Penske, don't know. Um be interesting to see what happens with that. I assume Priest will be working with uh, Bugaravich, who left being uh, Eric Amarola's crew chief, and he will be the performance director at SHR. So, pretty sure that those two will be working together. Speaking of Mike Bugaravich, we talked about it Tuesday that Drew Blickensdurfer will be the crew chief for Eric Amarola in 2022. Only enough this year. Uh, replacing Drew Blickensdurfer at Front Row Motorsports will be Blake Harris. He will be the crew chief for Michael McDowell. Harris has been the car chief for the 19 car at Joe Gibbs Racing and then previously the 78 at Furniture Row Racing. Uh, during his tenure as the car chief, he's amassed 25 wins and the 2017 NASCAR Championship with Martin Truex Jr. Um, very interesting hire, and in a good way. Um, really like that move. Uh, came out last night that Kyle Weatherman will not race with Mike Harmon racing this year in the Xfinity Series. Um, I don't know if this is related for Mike Harmon racing getting penalized by using one of their current cars at Rockingham uh, a couple of months ago. 
that NASCAR found out and then penalized and fined them. Uh, look, I'll be interested to see what comes out of that. The the last couple of notes, Matt DiNabetto, uh to race for WAR Rackley in the Truck Series for 2022 again this year. I need to stop doing that. Um, it's a full-time ride. Uh, oh, back to Priest. I forgot to mention this about him. He will have some races in the 17 truck for David Gilliland Racing, the truck that he drove to victory at Nashville last year. Uh, he will have a handful of races for them. Forgot to mention that. The last note, uh, it's not a NASCAR topic, but it's something to keep an eye on. The NFL is considering moving the Super Bowl from Los Angeles amid COVID-19. Um, we've seen the pandemic kind of surge in the last handful of weeks, and the NFL reached out to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, home of the Dallas Cowboys, of a possible backup venue for the Super Bowl, of which uh, AT&T Stadium representatives and D Dallas Cowboys and the city of Arlington said that they are prepared to host a Super Bowl if needed. I only bring this up because that's the clash. The clash is going to be happening at the Coliseum. Unknown if what NASCAR situation is with that race. We've seen the Grammys that was going to be at Crypto Arena, the arena that replaced the Staples Center in Los Angeles, home of the Lakers and Clippers. Um, it got postponed, and that was scheduled for the end of this month, the end of January. So that's probably one thing to just keep an eye on. Uh, hopefully the surge of COVID-19 will go back down. Uh, by, with saying that, hope everyone stays healthy out there and doesn't get COVID-19. Um, Moving to IndyCar news, a couple of weeks ago with Pride of Wyoming on the show, he asked a question that I didn't have an answer for, um, and it was what teams, when it comes to doing a Indy 500 one-off, um, this is a sole Indy 500 entry, teams like Andretti, McLaren, we've seen Rahal do it, etc., and then we just have teams that just show up just for the Indy 500. You know, what is the dollar amount that a driver or a sponsor has to bring in order to obtain the ride? So being the fact that I didn't know the answer, I just emailed Marshall Pruitt, uh, who does content, writes articles for Racer Magazine, and he also hosts a podcast for IndyCar. Uh, he does a listener's Q&A session, and then he will also do a weekly show with a driver or uh, someone within Indy's, IndyCar uh, and answer questions and stuff like that. It's a really good show if you're interested in IndyCar and learning about the sport or if you're a fan, highly recommend it. Uh, listen to it every week. Uh, but I asked him, when teams run a runoff Indy 500 project, how much funding either from the driver or by sponsorship dollars does it take to obtain a seat for a race which was replied by Marshall, a few years ago, I'd hear 500K to 600K mentioned as a fairly common number. Over the, over the last year or two, I've heard it creep closer to 700 to 750K as a starting point for quality teams. 
And I know of one or two teams of Indy winning histories who've pushed that buy-in to around $1 million. Simply put, the days of drivers walking around in Gasoline Alley with half a budget and drawing the interest of an Indy 500 entrant to work out a deal are long gone. Right now, in the first week of January, I know of one, two seats left that are truly open for the highest bidder to take, with Chevy and Honda holding the keys on how many engine leases that are made available for the 500. We've had the equivalent of a IndyCar eBay for quite a while. So, proud of Wyoming. That is your answer to the question that you asked a couple of weeks ago that I didn't have the answer for, so I asked someone that's smarter than me to uh, answer it. The only other IndyCar note, uh, this came out Friday or Thursday, per David Land on Twitter, that Ed Carpenter has signed a driver for the 20. Going to assume that's the road street course program of the car, uh, the 20 car, and Ed Carpenter is going to do the 20 car for ovals still. And rumor that is a popular driver. The three drivers that have been linked to this Ed, Car uh, Ed Carpenter seat have been Jack Aiken, Connor Daly, and Ryan Hunter Ray. With all due respect to Jack Aiken, I don't think many people in America know who Jack Aiken is. Um, nothing against Jack Aiken, not discrediting him. Um, I'm pretty sure no one in any car, you know, that watched the sport knew who Robert Wickens was in 2018. Uh, for all we know, Jack Aiken could come here and just light the world on fire like how Wickens did in 2018 before he had his crash at Pocono. But one would assume it's going to be either Ryan Hunter Ray or Connor Daly. And being the fact that Connor has been with the team the last two years, and not going to lie, I am a Connor Daly fan. I hope it's Connor. And... I'm okay with saying that over Ryan Hunter Ray because Ryan's been racing since, gosh, I don't even know when he was a rookie. I remember when he was racing for Ray Hall Letterman racing back in the day, like I'm talking 07-ish. Uh, he drove the ethanol car. Um, then he bounced around a bit, and then he raced for Andretti for a long time. He's been with Andretti for over a decade. He's won the championship. He's won the Indy 500. He's had a very successful career. Um, so I wouldn't feel too bad if Ryan Hunter-Ray didn't get the seat, being the fact that he's accomplished a lot in his career. Uh, the only F1 news, Aston Martin's team principal, Otmar um, uh, Zafs, Zafs, I can't, I, wow, I, I am messing this up. Safsnayer? Maniko is probably going to yell at me with that one. I, I, I struggle with names I can't understand. Uh, anyways, Otmar Safnar is not going to be with Aston Martin for this season and beyond. Uh, back at the Brazilian Grand Prix last year, there was this rumor that he was going to leave Aston Martin and go to Alpine uh, for 2022. It was something that Otmar didn't really talk about in depth. It was also something he didn't dismiss. So it kind of left the door open of like, is this is this a thing, not a thing? Because you really didn't like just slam the door shut on it. Um, I did see one thing this morning. I 
don't know if it's true or not because Twitter is Twitter. But I will just say it just in case if it happens. I saw something where in 2026, Porsche and Audi are going to be in Formula 1. Uh, what Porsche with Red Bull, Audi with McLaren. The only thing I only reason why I bring this up is if you remember a month ago or whatever ago, there was the rumor that Audi was buying McLaren. That's the only reason why I'm bringing it up. Um, that was, of course, just dismissed by McLaren uh, on their side, but we'll, we'll see what if that's true or not. Um, for the podcast questions and answers part of the of the episodes. I'm usually joined by a guest, but usually, but this time around, I, I don't have a guest. It's just me. So change it up a bit. Going to answer questions like how I would ask members on this podcast. And also I will answer questions by members of the Discord uh, that they wanted to ask me, being the fact that I'm just going to sit here and answer questions um, and things like that. Um, my first race and the best race I've seen. Uh, my first race was the 1999 Bush Series race, or what's currently the Xfinity Series race, uh, at Texas Motor Speedway. I don't remember any of the racing. It's not because I was young. Uh, I was, I think, 11, 10 or 11. Um... Yeah, 11. Um, it was cold. And it, it was cold, overcast, windy, raining off and on. Mark Martin won the race over Jeff Burton, but it was rain-shortened. Um, me and my dad spent 25 bucks a piece just for a beanie because we were freezing. Like, you know, back in the day in NASCAR... You know, outside of the track, you would have every driver had a trailer uh, for merchandise. Every team had a trailer for merchandise. It was like you had 50 trailers out there. It was kind of like the NASCAR mall, if you'd like it. Uh, now there's not that much compared to what it used to be. Uh, yeah, I and mean, we just walked around trying to find stuff to keep warm, uh, gloves, etc., because it was just horrible. And uh, then when the race ended, we sat in the parking lot for an hour and a half because we couldn't leave the place because traffic was horrible leaving, wasn't organized at the time. Um, sat in the truck until someone got a knife and cut the plastic fencing. And then pretty much what you saw at the bet was a massive just rush of cars just go to the exit. And we were out of there in 20 minutes. So uh, I don't know who that fan was that cut that fence down but thank you uh who knows how long we're going to be sitting there had you not done that uh best race i've seen in person was the 2017 indianapolis 500 uh it's a race i've always seen on tv um and 2017 came along kind of the first time i could really just go do something with my tax return i Previously, I've used it to pay off things, etc. And uh, decided I want to go see the Indy 500 in person, and so I took care of all that in February. Bought the flight, bought the tickets, rental car, hotels, etc. And it was the thought of this is probably the last time I might see Tony Kanaan in a top team car. Uh, he was at Ganassi at the time, and didn't know if he was going to be with them going forward. 
which he wasn't. He went to AJ Foyt Racing for three years, two years. Yeah, he was at the eighteen, nineteen, or three. I don't know. Um, and so that was the initial part of going to Indy. I just wanted to see it in person. But two months later, that changed when Fernando Alonso said, "I'm not going to do Monaco. Instead, I'm going to do the Indy 500." So it was cool to be, you know, one of 350,000 people that got to see Fernando Alonso race the Indy 500 as a rookie. And it was a great atmosphere the whole weekend. You know, everyone had their favorite driver. You know, I'm a Canon fan. There are people who are, you know, a Power fan or Joseph Newgarden fan or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the whole city of Annapolis were like, I wonder what Alonso's going to do tomorrow. And it was cool to see him lead. He got a massive cheer when he led his first laps around, I want to say lap 33 and 34. It was after the pit cycle with uh, him and Rossi. Um, it was just unfortunate because I sat basically exit turn four. So I could see turn three, short shoot, turn four, about halfway down of turn one. Um, or the front stretch can't really see turn one at all. And it sucked to see him come off a of turn four in the closing laps with 20 to go and puff a smoke out of his car and him having to retire. But it was cool to see Takuma Sato get redemption and uh, hold off Helio Castro Neves and win the Indy 500. Um, I think everyone was happy for him to finally do it after what happened in 2013. Or I'm sorry, 2012. When um, he went for the move on Dario Franchitti on the last lap in turn one, and he crashed, and he got a lot of flack for that. But Taku said, I, "I'm going for it," and yeah, it didn't pay off. But hey, he took he took the shot, and it was nice for him to finally uh, kind of get redemption. Uh, and the best race I've probably seen on TV, uh, it's probably the most painful race I've ever seen in terms of the after effects, but, uh, when Tony Kanaan won the 2013 Indy 500, um, uh, it was like, I guess, when Dale Earnhardt fans, when he won the Indy Daytona 500 in 1998, whatever could happen to Kanaan to not win that race until 2013 happened, um, to his rookie year, leading the race, goes into turn three, Bruno Junquera ahead of him, blows an engine, and Kanan goes into turn three, hits oil, spins and crash. Um, I think 04 or 03, the year Buddy Rice won, um, Tony Kanan was leading. They told him that, hey, Buddy Rice can't make it on fuel. Let him buy if if he really wants to push it. So Kanan did, and next thing you realize, it's raining. Um, the one that really stung the most was I think two thousand and eight, the year where um, um, backstory on this. The race started. My uncle said, "Hey, go uh, wash your grandfather's uh, Escalade." It's early in the race. You'll be back. I said, okay. So I did that, and I come back, and I ask, um, hey, where's Kanan? What have I missed? And before someone could say a word, they showed the replay of Marco doing the late pass on Kanan, going into three, which made Kanan go into the marbles and smack the wall. 
and how can I say this? My mom has a rule that you're not allowed to cuss in the house. And I 100% did not follow that rule. I said a lot of bad things in relation to Marco Andretti. Won't lie. Um, and then stormed off into my, into my room. And was not seen for hours. Um, I think my mom gave me a pass. Uh, I think I think she just was like, I'm just, I, um, yeah, he's mad. Um, <laughs> uh, not a good day. Uh, but 2013 when he won... I mean, I remember he made the move on Ryan Hunter Ray on the restart. He had a great car that whole day. Like, the last 20 laps, Kanan was battling with Munoz. Carlos Munoz was a rookie. You had Ryan Hunter Ray was up there. Marco was up there. But I remember it. He got by Ryan Hunter Ray, goes into turns one, and all of a sudden I see the yellow flag come out, and I see Dario Franchitti and James Hinchcliffe in the wall, and the short shoot between one and two and I knew it was over and uh uh yeah I partied a lot that day um the hangover was pretty massive um was it worth it um yes it was worth it uh Zach the Beast asked why did I become a Rams fan it's because of the video I sent you about a couple weeks ago of the greatest show on turf uh, I remember it was what week five when they played San Francisco and the Rams threw up 28 points in a quarter. Isaac Bruce had four touchdowns as the wide receiver for the Rams. Um, I've never seen a team or an office like that just be that explosive. I mean, yeah, I was 11 at that time. I mean, I had a vague memory of the Cowboys in the 90s. Uh, I remember the Broncos' two t- uh, Super Bowl runs with Elway and Terrell Davis. By the way, Bailey, uh, your Broncos are doing pretty good against Kansas City right now. I got that game on the telly, uh, trailing by four. And it's not too bad. Uh, anyways, that's why I became a fan. Um, watched them the rest of the year. And you know, we won the Super Bowl in 99 against Tennessee by a yard. I know, two years, two years later, we lost to some team in New England. Um, uh, yeah, that team. Uh, Zach's team, by the way. But uh, that's where it started. I'll be honest, it's there was a decade there from like 06 to about 2017 where my uncle had probably the worst joke at my expense, but it was true. Uh, a broken clock is right twice a day. In reference, meaning your Rams can't win more than two games. And as annoying as it was, he's right. It would be we're horrible. But most of my friends, when they find out I'm a Rams fan, they kind of scratch their head. But during that period, we were horrible. I wore my jersey every Sunday, and I did get a lot of flack for it. So most people kind of respected me because I am a fan of my team. Um uh, and I just, you know, I'm supporting them when they're horrible. Um, the only time I really was frustrated and thought about not being a fan is when they relocated from St. Louis to L.A. I uh, wasn't happy about that decision. And what proceeded after that was us being horrible that year. And I want to say I was 2016. Um, all I remember from that Monday night game where we got absolutely destroyed by San Francisco 
Um, I didn't have to work the next day because my boss said, hey, if you work Labor Day, I'll give you a day off. And I said, okay, well, I'll work Labor Day. I want the day off Tuesday of next week because the Rams play San Francisco and they're the second part of the doubleheader and it's not going to end until around midnight. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I was mad and I went to bed and I was sleeping and one of my friends, Darlin, she had Todd Gurley and she proceeded to tell me that she lost because Todd Gurley didn't do anything and I replied, hey, um, I'm not going to work today because I watched the game. Also, I don't want to hear about it because I'm very close to burning my stuff. I was that mad. <laughs> um, but hey, the last five, six years, it's been cool to see the Rams actually be competitive. Yeah, the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, that that was painful to watch, but uh, it's nice to see us finally be a playoff contender. And you know, we've won the NFC West twice, Hopefully we take care of business and make that three in three times, and we'll see. We'll see what happens come these playoffs that are about to happen next week. Uh, Pride of Wyoming, ask a question. Uh, I'll keep this simple. I know Bali Bonnie was your OG driver, and then you supported Clint Boyer after Bobby retired. Why those two? What about them was appealing to you? Um. I had to rethink about Bobby, um, not being a fan of him, uh, just when I started to become a fan of him, because it was 1997, I was at my dad's apartment, and it was a night race, which means all-star race, Coke 600, or Bristol night race, or the Richmond night races. All the other races at that time were ran during the day, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Atlanta did have lights, but they didn't run though. They didn't run a night race until I want to say 1998, and that was only because it rained, uh, which postponed the race further and further back. Um, but you know, he kind of kind of came my driver. Don't know the true reason why. Um, and going forward, um, the 18 team Joe Gibbs Racing was more competitive. Uh, they were a championship contender in '99. Uh, and Del Jared, though, won the championship. Funny story about that is my dad's a Del Jared fan. And, uh, I had all the 164s that you know, a lot of people do. I had a bunch of them as a kid. And I wake up at his apartment, and I had this kind of papered pit road thing. Had all the boxes and stuff, and, you know, took time, made out detail. And I wake up, and there's a big pile of cars, like, in a crash, right? in the middle of pit road and at the end of pit road is del jared turning bobby labonte i think i asked my dad what is this about and i think he chuckled ah, well played but you know he won the championship of 2000 and then you know, i've just always been a fan of him because of just respected um you know he uh treated his fans well um, very respectful with his fans. And um, I remember 2008, uh, the year that Michael McDowell crashed at turn one at Texas and qualifying. It was the Bobby had to qualify after McDowell. And he also had an autograph session at a Sam's Club at Grapevine, of which I attended. Being the fact that Bobby had to qualify after McDowell 
it was delayed by an hour because they had to fix the track and we all sat there at Sam's club and I think Bobby showed up an hour and a half later than he was supposed to because of it. And if he was annoyed about that, showing up an hour and a half late, having to be out there um, later than posted time or what he was supposed to be, um, you wouldn't know it. Like he signed everyone's stuff, you know, he was very respectful to everyone that appeared and he always appreciated his fans and he always took time out for his fans. Um, you know, as for Clint, um, it's, it's just Clint, you know, he made me laugh either in an interview or on the radio or, you know, in the car radio with him or Spotter Brett Griffin or even when Mike Bugaravich was his crew chief for three years, the radio entertainment was fun. It was really, really fun. And yeah, that's kind of sort of how Clint became my guy. Um, going forward, I'm going to be a colleague racing fan, Justin Haley fan, because uh, Brett Griffin's spotting for them. And why not? Which, by the way, one bit of news did happened about a couple hours ago Trent Owens will be the crew chief for Justin Haley so there you go hey catcher that's um he's gonna be our guy and he will have to deal with a very mouthy Brett Griffin on channel two he's not gonna change just Justin's gonna hear some words by the way he's probably not heard of on channel one just saying I don't know how often Kevin Hamlin cussed just gonna put that out there um Carbon F1 asks, thoughts on 2022 as a whole, thoughts on sports, racing, and new regs in NASCAR and Formula 1. Um, I'm going to hold off on the F1 stuff because there's another question for that. What makes 2022 exciting from a racing point of view as a fan point of view is it's intriguing, especially on the NASCAR side. We're getting a new car. Uh, the car looks, in my opinion, really good. I really like the way the car looks. Um, it looks very close in some ways, many ways, to the actual road car out there. The number placement's new and different, but it's just something that we're going to have to get used to. Um, I know everyone complained about it when it was first a thing, but just like anything and everything in life, after it becomes a thing and after after a couple of races, it won't be an issue. I remember when the Halo was... A big thing in F1 is, oh, the car is going to be ugly and, oh, it's just horrible. After three or four races, no one commented. So we'll just get over it. But we're getting 670 horsepower in these cars, not 550. That's exciting because we've wanted these cars hard to drive. We've wanted the drivers to matter more in these cars. And that 550 horsepower package in the mile and a half, two mile tracks, boy, that was some boring hard to watch racing um you know seeing tyler reddick spin out four times in testing in this new car it's intriguing tyler reddick's a very talented driver and him spinning out four times confirms that this car is hard to drive so um that's the exciting part for the nascar side going into it my big worry for nascar and indycar and in formula one and more endurance championship is Hopefully COVID-19 doesn't become a 
you know, hopefully that can just go away. Um, IndyCar had its best year in terms of competition, in terms of a championship battle, in terms of ratings um, that they they haven't had in since maybe pre-split in 1994, 1996. I'm sorry. You know, Graham Rahal commented, "Hey, I think we're entering the new golden era of." IndyCar racing. And I was like, I wouldn't say that right now. I mean, we had a really good era pre-split. Uh, the pre-split era. But Graham's right. I mean, we had five drivers in the championship battle with four races to go. And Alex Pillow, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, Marcus Erickson, and Patricia Ward. And it was Newgarden, Ward, and Pillow that were in the discussion of the championship on the final race of the year. Of which Pillow won. Hilo Castroneves wins his fourth IndyCar champ, uh, uh, Indy 500. Um, we got Jimmy Johnson. He's racing full-time next year. This year. Exciting. Need to stop saying that. Um, let's see. Roman Grosjean's going to be at Dreddy. And the more intriguing thing about IndyCar this year is, it's kind of this year, but it's really silly season that's going to involve for 2023. Apparently, I have heard that if you thought the Roman Grosjean to Andretti move was big, just wait and see if the rumblings of what could happen in 2023 happen. If they do, oh, <laughs> whole just just you'll be surprised. Um, I haven't heard really in the details about that. And then there were endurance championship, mainly the 24 hours of Le Mans. I'm glad that we're seeing Peugeot show up. I'm glad we're seeing Porsche show up. Um, I think. We might see in the future Cadillac. We might see Audi. There's a few other manufacturers that could make the jump into the 24-hour Le Mans. And why I say this is because the last three or handful of years, with Toyota being the only hybrid in the race, it's been basically a race of who's going to finish third because Toyota's finishing one-two. The GT category has been the best class of racing for the 24 hours of Le Mans. That's always been the best thing, but... You know, seeing Toyota just dominate the hybrid LMP1 category, you know, these, you know, privateers like Rebellion never had a chance. Glickenhaus, I love the story. And they had a good car, but they were never going to compete with Toyota. You know, for the 24 hours of Le Mans to have a great race for it to mean something, we need really big manufacturers in there battling it out in the top class and since audi and porsche and and Peugeot left the last decade it's not been that so that's intriguing as for the formula one side of that bailey asked with testing for f1 coming up in a month's time how close do you think the grid will be who will be at the top who will be at the very bottom uh my initial response is i don't know and the reason why i say i don't know is because we have to think of back when F1s had big regulation changes. A part of 2017, which, you know, that made the cars wider and have more downforce compared to the 2016 car. You know, that was still a year dominated by Mercedes. Not dominated, but, you know, Ferrari crept up. Uh, but look at the 20, 2014 regulations, the new hybrid regulations that kicked in. Prior to 2014, it was Red Bull. They were on the top. They were dominating. And you had Ferrari up there. McLaren was kind of up there. 
Mercedes wasn't really up there. 2013, they had a strong, I guess, year. They won, I believe, three races with Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton. But, you know, they came out in 2014 and absolutely dominated. And they've dominated ever since. They've won every Constructors' Championship since then. But we saw it to where it flipped the order. Red Bull and Ferrari, who were battling the Constructors' Championship in 2013, they started 2014 horrible. And Mercedes is on top. You go back to the big regulation change before then was 2009. Braun GP, which was Honda in 2008, they absolutely punted in 2008. Kind of similar to what Haas is doing. I don't think Haas is going to make that big of a jump compared to like what Braun GP did. But, you know, that's what Braun did in 2008 before Honda pulled out. In 2008, you had McLaren and Ferrari battling for the title in both constructors and championship. What happened in 2009? Braun GP, being the fact that they put all their resources to the 2009 car, they dominated the first half of the year until Red Bull crept in in the second half of the year. But McLaren and Ferrari were nowhere to be found in 2009. Absolutely horrible. It took them a full year to recover uh, because they put everything into the 2008 championship and they didn't develop the 2009 cars. So that makes me wonder where Red Bull is going to be next year. You know, How much did they put into last year's car for Max to win the championship and to fight in the constructors because we saw Mercedes, they spent zero tokens. That came out of Abu Dhabi. They spent zero tokens on this W12 for last year's car. They basically took the 2020 car, added some parts and stuff, and used that to win the constructors championship last year, which is impressive in its own right. Um, I hope the championship's tight. I hope it's the Red Bull, Ferrari, and you know Mercedes. Hopefully McLaren maybe as well, who I think is going to be at the bottom. I, I don't know. I mean, ask me this a month later. Uh, actually, don't ask me a month later. I'm probably going to have you on for an episode, so we'll talk about it. But that that's the intriguing part of where we're at from the one is it's a bunch of we don't know right now if this new car we're hoping it shakes things up and we're seeing hopefully we get like a 2012 year where you have red bull and ferrari and mclaren fighting for the constructors at the top but you had a really really tight midfield you had a williams win that year you had a lotus win that year in 2012 um you had a mercedes win that year you know hopefully we see a very competitive 2022 for formula one uh, last question, and I made this last because it annoyed me at the time. I'm going to drink a little bit of my soda to uh, help my voice before I go into it because... Uh... Okay. <clears throat> Spawn asked, with the Tulsa shootout just com- completing, the Chili Bowl about to start, what is your opinion on the big names in NASCAR and other larger series, the other one mainly being IndyCar? Competing in other lesser-known series and their drivers. Kyle Busch got some flack for competing in the Tulsa shootout last week on social media. As well, he got a lot of support. Um, For Kyle Busch, it's very simple. And before I say this, not a Kyle Busch fan. Got nothing against the guy. I'm just, he's not the guy I root for. It's a double standard. He's the only one that gets this. Why? Because he's the most polarizing driver in NASCAR. You either love him or you hate him. And the ones that hate him will give him crap if he signs everyone's 
uh, stuff. Kyle Busch can literally sign a thousand things for people. And the second he has to leave and do something, you know, on the track related or whatever, that everyone gives him crap for it. Um, And where I'm going at with this is Kyle Busch has been doing a handful of dirt racing this year. He's getting out of his comfort zone. He's actually doing something he's never done before. And I just find it weird that he gets this flack when you have a guy like Kyle Larson, a guy like Christopher Bell. They race at these lower series dirt tracks around the country all the time. Kyle Larson, through 2020, how many races did he compete in? Like 50 dirt races? No one said anything. But it's only Kyle Busch that gets that. It's because the people that are complaining are the ones that are sitting in their mama's basement who are on Twitter and just they just, they just hate things in the world. They just want to just find everything that's wrong and just post and just whatever. They're not happy people. That's, that's, that's who the ones are complaining. Uh, I love it. I love seeing drivers try something else. Um, not a Kurt Busch fan. Uh, but... I thought it was great to see him try the Indy 500 in 2014. I was interested in seeing how he was doing. And to be fair, I was actually a Kurt Busch fan for that race because I appreciated him making the effort of him having a go. When Fernando Alonso did in 2017. Yeah, I wanted Tony Kanaan to win the race. But I wanted Fernando to win that race because this is cool. He's actually coming over here and he's not here just to make a headline or he's not here because he's Alonzo. He wants to have a go at this race and you know he's you know respecting the people, respecting the drivers. You know, same thing when Alonzo did Lamal. You know, seeing Chase Elliott do some dirt racing. Um having Connor Daly, he's done midget racing for the last handful of years. Uh same thing of Santuna Ferrucci. Here's the list uh that's gonna be in the Chili Bowl this week. Uh, Chase Briscoe, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, J.J. Yaley, Connor Daly, Santino Ferrucci, Casey Kane, Carson Hosovar, Ryan, or I'm sorry, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Previously, this is uh, something Ryan Newman did. Uh, I don't think he's doing it this year. I didn't see his name on the entry list. Um, yeah, it's great to see drivers get out of their comfort zones and do something else. You know, and you know Kyle Busch was good at the Tulsa shootout. He started eighth in one race and he finished first. But the thing that I really like about these guys is they're not afraid to struggle. You know, Connor Daly struggled his first year or so in dirt racing in midget. He struggled and he, you know, trying to learn what this car does and how to drive this car, you know, against guys that have done this their whole career. And, you know, if you're anything, if you like these lower series and you see a guy like Kyle Busch comes here, it's great for that series. More eyeballs pay attention. You might get more of a fan base. Like, you know, you might get a handful of NASCAR fans or a handful of Kyle Busch fans who don't even know that this Tulsa shootout existed, but only watched it because Kyle Busch was in it and might watch it going forward. You know, and the last point I'm going to make with people giving Kyle crap for doing the Tulsa shootout the race of champions race at the Chili Bowl which consists of drivers that have won the Chili Bowl in the past or 
won championships in the past and like NASCAR just I'll get to a point basically it's the all-star race for the Chili Bowl Chase Elliott is in this race because Kyle Larson won the Chili Bowl last year and there is a stipulation for the race of champions race for the Chili Bowl uh, the most previous NASCAR champion is allowed to be entered into that race well that's Kyle Larson well Larson won the Chili Bowl last year so He's already in the race no matter what. So they go to the next driver in NASCAR that won the championship. That being Chase Elliott. That he's going to be in that race. I've not heard many people complain about Chase Elliott in the race of champions race. But people wanted to comment about Kyle Busch. Like, seriously, get over yourself. Um, just, it's annoying. Um... You know, I know Kyle Busch sometimes does things and say things that, you know, yeah, uh, probably shouldn't have said that. Or, you know, sometimes he leaves him, himself out there to force some criticism. I get it, but it's just, you know, it's just annoying to see. Um, uh, appreciate the questions, you guys. Um, I'll have... Uh, Looking forward to answering y'all's questions next week. Uh, probably be doing this on Sunday with the Chili Bowl ending next Saturday night. Hopefully it won't end as late. I can remember me and Zach. Oh, I think that ended around midnight. Zach will listen and he'll confirm if it was midnight. Um, I don't know who I'm going to bring on. but um, So... But we'll have the Chili Bowl next week. Also other news. And I believe in two, three weeks' time, we'll have the Roar of 24. The little test session before the Rolex 24. And then we'll have the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Um, until then, my name is Philip Schmitz. And I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to this. Y'all have a